As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Emergency episode of the Can't Wait podcast because the New York Jets have released running back Le'Veon Bell. After Sunday's loss, Bell liked a series of tweets saying he should be traded or he wasn't being used properly. And 48 hours later, he is no longer a member of the New York Jets. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and our producer, Marissa Morris. Thanks for joining us late night for this one as we get going after 11 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already, give us a five-star review. We're going to go through the the saga of Le'Veon Bell with the New York Jets. We'll start with what happened today. We'll go back to the beginning. We'll sum it all up in this emergency edition of the podcast. Connor is done doing his writing so he can focus here on the podcast. And Connor, let's start with this. Why now? Why 48 hours after making a stink? Why couldn't they trade him? It's weird, man. You know, I, like thinking back on this because I just kind of wrote a column, which is pretty much going to be the uh, the written version of, of what we're talking about here, which is just summarizing everything that's happened over Le'Veon for the last uh, not even two years, 21 games, 20 games, something like that. Wow. Fifth, uh, five and 16 games and or 21 weeks if you want to loop in the, the weeks, you know, 17 weeks of an NFL season and stuff like that, man. But um, it just, I think, got to the point where the two sides had to go their own way that they go separate ways. And it just, it just wasn't working. And Le'Veon was, was getting frustrated. Le'Veon was getting angry. I don't think that he was a fit within this Jets offense anymore. I don't think that he was happy within this Jets offense anymore. I think it was getting to the point with his passive aggressive shots that he took on social media, um, warranted or not at, at Adam Gase after that game against the Cardinals. I think those, those shots that, that uh, he was taking kind of showed that, the relationship that Gase had and or not Gase, I'm sorry, but the bell had with the coaching staff with this team was turning toxic. And if he stayed on the roster, it was just going to get worse. And it was one of those things where the jets and him needed to separate the jets and him needed to go their separate ways. It wasn't working anymore. The jets aren't going to the playoffs this year. Le'Veon bell wasn't helping them on the field. He wasn't helping them off the field. It was just, okay, let's try to trade him And, the Jets' goal, obviously, was to get something back for him. They didn't want to just pay this guy 
$27 million for 21 games and or 20 games. I'm sorry, 21 games, 21 games. Yeah, I think some whatever. My brain is so mush right now, but they didn't want to pay 21. him $27 million for basically a year and five weeks of work and then get absolutely nothing in return, but four total touchdowns and like 800 uh, rushing yards. So um, they tried to trade him. They were shopping him on Monday. They were shopping him on Tuesday. They started uh, intentionally getting it out there that, that there were reports of them shopping and stuff like that to try to drum up interest. Basically any team that didn't know that the Jets had him on the trade block could make a call and come in and try to get him. Uh, but what they found is that there were just no trade suitors. No one was willing to trade for Le'Veon Bell. And and part of that had to do with his drop-in production. I, I know that people blame Adam Gase for, for his usage, and, and that is certainly uh, warranted. I mean, the fact that the Jets haven't been able to get him more involved in the passing game is a massive red flag with Adam Gase. But as far as Le'Veon Bell, the running back, he has not looked like the running back that he did with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He hasn't had that same explosiveness. He hasn't had that same vision. He hasn't had that same speed. I mean, he he has not looked like the same running back. Now, the fact that Adam Gase couldn't figure out a way to use him as a receiver is an Adam Gase problem. But Bell, no matter which way you slice it, did not look like the same productive back that he was with the Steelers. So that was one of the reasons why teams were backing off. The main reason, though, that teams were backing off was that contract, was that the deal that the Jets had given Le'Veon Bell back when they signed him not even two full years ago, it was a contract that was unique in its structure in that they gave him only an $8 million signing bonus. So in the situation that the Jets were going to trade Le'Veon Bell, or if the Jets wanted to get rid of Le'Veon Bell before that third year, the only money that the Jets were going to be on the hook for was his roster bonuses, which was $4.5 million this year, $4 million last year. And his signing bonus, which is an $8 million proration, so $2 million each year throughout the four-year length of the contract. The other base salary, which is $8 million this year, that was going to be on whatever whatever team acquired Le'Veon Bell. They were going to have to pay him the rest of that, which is $6 million. So for any team that was going to trade for Le'Veon Bell, they needed to have at least $6 million in salary cap space. The other That was something that the teams didn't really want to pay. The other big red flag here was also the fact that Le'Veon Bell's 2021 base salary, which is $8 million, is fully guaranteed uh, for injury only. So it's if he gets hurt this year, so if a team trades for Le'Veon Bell and he hurts his neck like what happened to Quincy Nunwa, or he suffers an injury that might prevent him from ever playing football again, they're going to have to pay him every dime of that. So basically in order for, and I can tell you exactly, I made a couple calls around the league before this uh, release went down saying like, how would the Jets trade him? And the way that it was relayed to me by some uh, a high-ranking NFL official was that his contract is immovable. And he is an immovable player unless the Jets are going to give the team that's trading for Le'Veon Bell a draft pick. So basically, the Brock Osweiler deal where the, the Cleveland Browns acquired Brock Osweiler and got a second-round pick from the Texans. So unless the Jets were willing to do that, with obviously Joe Douglas was not willing to do, Le'Veon Bell was not going to be a tradable asset. And and for the, the fact the Jets were not going to pay a portion of his salary, but even if the Jets paid a portion of his salary this year, a team didn't want to have to work, run the risk of Le'Veon Bell getting injured and then them being on the hooks for his 2021 base. So what ended up happening is that the Jets wanted to trade him. They tried to find a trade partner Monday and Tuesday. They simply couldn't. So Tuesday night, uh, in the middle of my war zone game, they decided <laughs> to uh, they decided to release uh, Le'Veon Bell and bring to an end uh, a chapter here for the Jets. That, to be honest with you guys, it feels like it just happened way too soon, and that this just this isn't how this was supposed to go. Honestly, that's how I feel, man. It's like 
I remember covering Le'Veon Bell, the pursuit of Le'Veon Bell, all this, that this, this isn't how this was supposed to go. And I understand why it did. This was the only option the Jets had, but still it just, it doesn't feel right. It feels, it feels like, it feels like it's, it's, I understand if a Jet fan is reading this news and is like depressed over it because the hype that he showed up in, the excitement he showed up in, and it's, it's all gone. It's all gone now. We're going to go back to that pursuit, but I got to touch on the fact that you just said interrupted your game. You weren't on Twitch, were you? You weren't. I was on Twitch. You were. Yeah, I was on Twitch. You know, yeah, I actually, I literally just tweeted that. Is that I've, I've been like my roommates or my old roommates and I have now been on this whole kick where we, uh, we, we stream our, our Call of Duty stuff. So literally, there were like five people watching my, uh, my broadcast, and, and what they heard was, "What the hell? Holy shit, guys! I gotta go." And then I immediately exited the game and went in here, talked to you guys. Were blowing my phone immediately started blowing up, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now it's like to get to work time. But yeah, was was broadcasting in the middle of the Twitch. I'm sure I can I can find the uh, the audio of it and create a little clip there to just be like, yeah, maybe we'll what put the that hell? on the yeah. next week's first yeah. episode. All right, so let's go back to the beginning, the pursuit, and and where I guess it it kind of started to go wrong, which was day one. But but you had a situation where. Joe Douglas wasn't the guy who did it. It was McCagnan that, that made the signing. And it was a signing that, let's be honest, we've talked about it on this podcast. For where the Jets were, it didn't really make sense at that time. Yeah, look, I mean, when whenever teams prepare for, like, free agency, and this is every single year the Jets are going to do it this year, is your coaching staff, your scouting department, your, your front office, they all get together basically in a room, and they're like, okay, these are the list of the players out there. These are the players we want to target. These are the players we want to spend money on. These are the players we don't want to spend money on. These are our own guys. This is what we hear. These are rumors. It's kind of like a mini draft war room just about free agency. And when the Jets had their meetings with McCagnan and Gase and and everyone at that point in time, when everyone was sitting there talking and and going over everything, Le'Veon Bell was one of the main names that came up. And the Jets were always linked to Le'Veon Bell going into that offseason or that free agent class because they had a shit ton of money. They needed playmakers for for Sam Darnold. They needed all of these things. And Le'Veon Bell was the top target out there. So it was kind of like an easy dot to connect was Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. And I remember talking to several agents that were super tied into it, super plugged into the running back market and said, the Jets are the odds-on favorite for Le'Veon because they're the only team that's going to pay Le'Veon Bell. They're the only team that has the money to give him because the Ravens were another team that was like rumored to be in on Le'Veon Bell, right? No, they were only in on Mark Ingram. That was the guy they wanted. The San Francisco 49ers were in on Le'Veon Bell. They were sort of, but they were at a budget, which was basically like if no one else wanted Le'Veon Bell at all and he had to sign for someone, that was the contract that the 49ers had out there. They were not realistically in any sort of the ballpark. It was basically like Le'Veon Bell was going to hold out again before accepting the contract that the 49ers were going to offer. So the Jets were the team that everyone pinpointed on. And when the Jets were having those meetings leading into free agency, a lot of what was coming up from the staff and Gase and McCagnum was that Le'Veon Bell was a very talented player. Le'Veon Bell would have made the Jets better. But what the Jets viewed, and specifically Adam Gase viewed Le'Veon Bell as, is not that he didn't want him, not that he didn't like him, he just said Le'Veon's a cherry on top player. He is the guy that when you have the quarterback, when you have the offensive line, when you have the defense, Le'Veon's the guy that you go out there and you add, and he takes you from we're competing for a Super Bowl to now we've got another playmaker on offense and we're going to be in a Super Bowl. And that's the way the Jets viewed Bell. So the way that they looked at this was like, we're going to talk to him, we're going to see if we can't get him, because why not he'd make our team better, but we're not going to like blow him out of the water with money you know like we're not just gonna like just throw this absurd contract at Le'Veon Bell we're gonna be smart about this 
And that's how they kind of left free agency. It was like, we'll talk to Le'Veon. We'll see what the deals are. If, if, if it works financial, we'll make it work. But he's not really a player that that is right for our team right now. You know, Le'Veon's the guy and a running back, not, not even Le'Veon Bell, a running back is a player that you sign in free agency to a big money contract when you have everything else. The Jets in free agency that year needed everything else. They didn't have everything else. They needed everything else, which is why signing Le'Veon didn't make, make too much sense and why Gase kind of was under that impression of like he's the cherry on top player we don't necessarily need him right now free agency happens the anthony Barr fiasco goes down where he verbally commits then he withdraws the jets are like the laughing stock because anthony Barr is out there saying he had nightmares about playing for the jets and he had nightmares about coming over here and and basically the jets saw this and mike mccagan was like i can't have that reputation and he took a lot of that money that they had given to anthony Barr, where they were going to give it to anthony Barr and say let's go and they basically gave it to Le'Veon Bell. And that's how you got to a contract that was $52.5 million where the Jets gave him all of this money, where Le'Veon Bell is basically this team's highest highest paid player. And he's a player that the Jets didn't necessarily need. Now, it was still going to be fine because again, in Gase's mind, it was like, okay, well, I didn't think we needed this guy. We still have him now. He's a hell of a football player. I'll find out a way to use him. We'll be fine. But I just, it's money that should have been used on the offensive line, on the defensive line, on the secondary, finding a pass rusher. That's where we should have used this money. Instead, now we just took it and we gave it to a running back when we don't really need a running back. It doesn't really work, but I'll figure out a way to make it work. But of course, almost two months to a day after Le'Veon Bell signing, Mike McCagney gets fired. Joe Douglas come in and then all of a sudden the reports start coming out that Joe Douglas would have never paid Le'Veon Bell that contract and and Adam Gase never wanted Le'Veon Bell in the first place and pretty much from there on Tim it was just this slow and gradual spiral to to where we got now or where we are now looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 u.s-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card all right so back to the levy on and we'll get to a couple questions as well there's some good ones that we've gotten in but connor now he's a he's available so teams didn't want to trade for him but i assume somebody will want to take a shot at him they won't have to pay him that that salary that the jets would have um what type of team do you think what if you had to like guess you know two or three teams that might take a shot on levy on bell who do you think and and do you think he still has something in the tank that we didn't see in new york that's the tough thing, man, is because I, I think that's what's lost in translation a lot is that, I mean, I, I wrote about it over the summer. Like, like Le'Veon never really looked good with the Jets. And and his first year with New York, he looked sluggish. He looked slow. He looked rusty. Uh, he, he admitted, which was probably one of the most damning things I've ever see, heard a player say. And, and I know I made a big deal out of it. I'm surprised not more people did. But the first time we talked to Le'Veon this offseason, he, he admitted that he didn't really have any motivation after he got paid by the Jets. Like it was he when he was in college, he was motivated to get to the NFL or when he was in high school, he was motivated to college. When he was in college, he wanted to get to the NFL. When he got to the NFL, he wanted to be the best running back. When he became the best running back, he wanted to get paid. And once he got paid, he like didn't have that same fire. And and you could kind of see that because he showed up and, and then later on in the season, he gained a little weight. He was sluggish. And and you kind of figured that this offseason, it was fine because Le'Veon Sell that said that, you know, oh, I don't have my um 
uh, you know, the, the, everything everyone was saying about me last off season, it, it wore me down and I want to go, you know, this, this changed me. And now I'm, you know, he showed up in the best shape of his life. It's going to be the best year of his career. And you're like, all right. I mean, I saw the dude he was shredded as hell. Like you're like, Hey, it looks really good. But in training camp, it was a lot of the same stuff. Like he was just sluggish and he was slow and he didn't hit the hole and the vision that was so popular in Pittsburgh, like it wasn't really there. So, you know, I, I fault Gase for not utilizing him more as a receiver because we've seen his ability to do that. Gase had his reasons because he basically said, oh, no, Le'Veon can't do that because when he caught all those passes in Pittsburgh, it was just with his back to the defense. Like, he was the check down. But, like, we saw in Buffalo, we saw in other situations, like, he can run routes. Like, that a game against uh, Oakland last year where he made the great play up the sideline. Like, he can do it. So, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. Was, that's just a coaching thing. But Bell as a runner didn't look that great. Still... Now you're getting him in a situation where the only money that a team's going to have to pay him, they're going to give him a veteran minimum contract because the Jets are going to pay the rest. So they'll have like a 500000 or 800000 like million dollar offset language where the Jets will get that back, but they'll give them the minimum contract. Any team that's a contender. Like, I, I honestly, I could see the Patriots right now. Sony Michelle's banged up. I could see the Patriots going out there and signing him. I could see any team that's looking uh, to, to make a, a playoff push. I, don't, I Originally, I would kind of say like, oh, maybe the Buccaneers. I don't think the Buccaneers would would necessarily do that now that they have Leonard Fournette. The right. Steelers could potentially go and huh. make another run and try Imagine to bring him back. That. Seriously, they flirted with him. Uh, the Texans were a team I thought maybe was possible. They were interested in. They kind of had like little flirtations last year, but now they have David Johnson. But any team that's a contender will go out there and and make a push for him. And any team that's a contender will will go that veteran minimum because you're not you're not losing anything. You're going to bring in a guy. You're going to say you're going to say to yourself maybe in our offense. Maybe with our offensive line, maybe we'll get the Steelers Le'Veon Bell. And if you can take that chance for a veteran minimum contract, why not do it? So then you look in the Jets' backfield, and obviously you have Frank Gore, who, (laughs) going by what we've seen so far this season, you would think that he's going to get 30 carries a game now. But they also have LaMichael Pirine, who we've all wanted to see get a better look in this Jets offense and see if we can see that explosiveness from him. And maybe he busts one and brings some excitement to this team. Now they have to play the guy, right? Yeah, you would think, man. I mean, that that quote from Gase in his press conference on Monday was one of the worst I heard, where he said, like, oh, we don't want to put too much on the rookie's plate. And I was like, oh, God. Just put something on his plate. Yeah. All right, you want to slow his development. Slowing his development is not playing him. Like, that was just a terrible quote. And he's made a couple of those this year. Like, the one about, you know, I'm glad somebody referenced us playing good defenses. Like, there have been a couple quotes this year where it's like, dude, that's not what you're supposed to say. Like that's not what that's not what you're supposed to say. But yeah, look, I, I think that for the next week or so, you're going to see Frank Gore be this team's lead back. That you're going to see Frank Gore is going to be the guy that's going to get the bulk of the carries, and P Ryan will work in as the season goes on. You're going to see that shift, and it's kind of what's happened to Frank Gore like his last three years in the NFL is that he starts the season as the lead back. And then he eventually gives up those carries to somebody else. Gives him like last year with the Bills. Eventually gave up those carries to Devin Singletary. Singletary took over. I think that's what you'll see with P Ryan is that it'll be Frank Gore for a little bit here, and then you'll see P Ryan take over, and P Ryan will be this team's uh, this team starting this team's running back that's getting the bulk of the carries and really working and, and rocking and rolling. All right, um, let's get to some questions because there's there's some good ones here, Connor, and they're they're kind of what you would expect. Um, first up, this. What happens when the next player, this is from Aaron Poltzman, what happens when the next player is upset? Because now we've seen this twice, right? Jamal Adams, upset, he gets traded. Le'Veon Bell, upset, he gets released. What do they do the next time it happens? Well, that's 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 a problem the Jets are going to um... – 
they're going to be dealing with this one for a little bit because the one thing that Joe Douglas has stressed is that he wants to is culture is is culture 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 is that he wants culture on this team he wants the right culture he wants the right guys well right now you've had some really good football players under contract on this roster and they have said I don't want to play for this team anymore and I don't want to be a part of this anymore and they've bolted and now there's a narrative forming and there's a perception forming and there's a uh uh, stereotype, I guess, forming on this Jets roster of what it's like to play here. And they're trying to break it. And the one guy that it's it's tied to, and I don't think he, he's not going to be this team's head coach in 2000. Adam Gase is not. I mean, Adam Gase would have to basically win out, I think, for, to, to be this team's head coach. I mean, he's going to have to get to like nine or ten wins with this roster and basically make the playoffs in order for, for him to come back in 2021. Look at this roster. Look at this team. Look at this, that's not happening. So it's it's. I mean, the Jets are the Jets. Are, there's a very real possibility the Jets go 0 and 16 this year. Like I've seen the schedule. There's a very good chance the Jets, if they don't beat the Dolphins this week, and the Dolphins like blow them out of the water. Like there's a chance the Jets going 0 and 16. Like that's real. That's not fake. Like that's a real thing that might happen. So I don't think there's any chance Adam Gase is coming back in 2021. And if that happens, I mean there's the narrative around him, right? It's like these pro player, these, these big name, big personality players don't want to play with him. It was, it was Jarvis Landry in, 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 uh, in Miami. It was a couple other players, the safety in, in Miami, the players that um weren't good. Devonte Parker who rode the bench and now suddenly he breaks out. Tannehill breaks. I mean, there's this perception around Adam Gase, which it's kind of hard to like write it off now. I mean, Jamal Adams, a big personality, big player had enough and was like, I want to get out. Le'Veon Bell, big personality, big player, had enough, says he wants to get out. I mean, I don't think the Jets don't have any personalities. They don't have any players left on this roster. They're going to be like, I'm happy, cut me, or I'm unhappy. Like, there's no one left. Like, who's going to say it? Bradley McDougal? Like, there's there's no one on this roster anymore that's a big personality to be like, screw you guys, I'm out. But, like, it is, like I said, Joe Douglas wants to build this personality, wants to cherry out, wants to build a culture. But, like, the culture and the the idea that's centered around this Jets team right now, right now it's, it's, it's not very good, and it's... I, I thought that two years ago, I thought that in, in 2019, after that free agent class where they signed Mosley and they signed, I guess he would be the next one, but I said they signed Mosley, they signed Crowder, they brought in Le'Veon Bell, they had Darnold, they had the new coach in Gase. I thought this was kind of like them finally changing and finally like turning and finally like new age, bye-bye same old Jets. But I, I'm not saying like the same old Jets thing yet, but like it's still... They're still in this muck. They're still in this mud of like this bad reputation, and I don't necessarily know how they break it. But as far as players getting out and leaving and bolting, I don't think there's, I don't think there's too many players left that would be like, I want out or I want to bolt. I mean, there's just those those superstars are gone. Um, okay, this one's from Eli Hurstfield. My question is: Joe Douglas allowed to fire Gase, or is he prohibited from doing so by Christopher Johnson? Look, for, I mean, the last I really checked in with people regarding. Adam Gase was before the Bronco game and and then just after the Bronco game. Does this was, change things? Does does Le'Veon Bell and the, all this change things? This does this change their on. plan for letting him coach out the season? I see like so there there were two main reasons for the Adam Gase for keeping Adam Gase aboard. The one was and the main one was Sam Darnold that the Jets need an evaluation on Sam Darnold before they potentially draft Trevor Lawrence and they're worried that if they fire Adam Gase it's going to add just another variable to their evaluation of Sam Darnold, and it's going to hinder their evaluation of Sam Darnold, and that's going to slow him down. The other major portion of this 
was also that the Jets are trying to beat this narrative that Woody Johnson formed, that he has a very quick trigger finger, and that if things aren't working and things go wrong within one or two years, they're going to fire the head coach and they're going to You don't think releasing uh, your star running back says that you have. <laughs> you guys, well, he wanted out. I, I mean, yeah, yeah but. <laughs> right, you're, I, look, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying here. I'm really trying here. Um, they're like, like that was their mindset was like they were worried about the quick trigger finger firing the head coach. And <laughs> killing me here, Marissa. They're uh, they're worried about firing their head coach, and their whole thing was like, what they're worried about, and it is a legitimate fear, is that like when time comes to hire their next head coach, once they eventually move on from Adam Gase, is that that next head coach is going to look at this roster and say like, you gave this is a bad roster, this is a bad team. You gave Adam Gase only two years. If I come in and I don't perform in a year in five games, am I going to get fired too? So they're trying to beat that narrative. If Adam Gase hands over play calling duties, like he said he's considering doing, well, that's kind of like giving the offense to somebody else. If you continue to have a situation right now where everyone in the league views the Jets as like this fire, I think you're getting to the point where it's you're running out of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't think that Gase is promised. I this is this is just my personal opinion. Now this is not me from from digging and finding information and kind of getting some background information and stuff like that. I don't know if Gase has necessarily promised the rest of the year anymore. I think he was after the Bronco game. I think that they were willing to ride this one out unless it got horrific. Like if they were 0-10 and and were still losing every game by two or three possessions, that where they would make a change. But right now it's, it's if they keep getting blown out and he keeps being 20 and 30 point defeats, that bye week's coming up quick. And I think that would be the next point where they would they would have to make a change. And I think it would be I think Christopher hands Christopher Johnson's hand would would pretty much be be pushed. And I think it would be like it has to be done. Yeah, there's a point where you just have and the the closer you are to the end of the season, the easier it is too because of all these concerns about getting through the season and who can and do again, it. Again, like, like they just don't want to. Like, like right. it's it's the Darnold thing, and it's also the perception. Like Christopher Johnson, and I've said this over and over again, and people get on Christopher and they rip him and they they like go after this guy, but like. I keep trying to say, like, Christopher is not Woody. Like, this guy, like, the the shit that's happening with this team right now, when I tell you this is keeping him up at night, like, it's keeping him up at night. Like, the guy wants this team to be good so desperately. He realizes that he made a mistake and when he fired Mike McCagney. He realizes that he's made a mistake with the Adam Gase hiring, but he's trying to right the wrong. He believes he took a huge step forward in righting the wrong when he hired Joe Douglas. He truly does believe that, and he trusts Joe Douglas to find this team's next coach, and he's trying to build this culture and emphasize the culture and what he doesn't want to do is be like we're just firing Gase away when we're losing games because of our roster and our roster is bad and this is a rebuild and then to potentially have that decision which is made uh, basically to appease the fan base and everyone who wants him gone to then make the next top tier head coach that would want to come in here hesitate because of what he did with Gase like he doesn't want that to happen and I don't know if it necessarily would I don't know if the next coach would be like dude you had no choice Adam should have been out of there and would back the I, I don't I don't know, man, but like it's 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 something that that I know is probably on the Jets' mind. It's something they don't want to risk and they don't want to worry about. It's just a matter of like they need to they just need to figure it out. Like it's 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 a difficult situation to be in right now. I think that it's just it's a very it's a dark. I mean, this is I thought the 2017 season was going to be the worst I ever covered in 18 and and 14 to an extent. Who boy does this one blow all those out of the water? <laughs> Glad we could all share in it together and, and everybody in the chat as well. Um, there's a lot of this going on in the chat, so I'll just bring it up. I mean, it seems like there's a split here. There's people that are obviously upset 
And then there's people that are taking the stance that, you know what, this is one more smart move because at the end of the day, we get to the point here where this team's tanking and you want to get Trevor Lawrence. So if you lose Le'Veon Bell and there's one less piece and all of that, besides maybe saving money next year, you're also making this team worse right now. And maybe the goal quickly becomes to be the worst team officially in the NFL. Well, they're not. They're not a better team without Le'Veon. I mean, I like. I keep saying, like Le'Veon was not the Le'Veon Bell he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Le'Veon Bell wasn't overly effective with the Jets, but Le'Veon Bell is still a talented player, and Le'Veon Bell still is somebody that the defense needs to respect. And Le'Veon Bell, when used correctly, can still do effective things on offense. Whether it's the the in the passing game in the receiving game, he's a tremendous pass blocker, and he can still run. I mean, you saw him when he does when he is decisive and he doesn't go back to that like passive running style when he is decisive he can be very effective like the Jets are not a better team without Le'Veon Bell than they are with him this just became a situation where divorce needed to happen like mom and dad weren't seeing eye to eye anymore mom and dad were fighting all the time like time to break up like time to pull the cord like it's it's time to get the hell out of there and, and it was an amicable split like it's not like Gase is going, or uh, not Gase, I'm sorry. It's not like Bell is running out the door here, setting the place on fire. I know he had his passive-aggressive likes, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it was just, the Jets are 0-5. They are, whether they're trying to tank or they're not, like, it's a different thing because sometimes, like, I think the Jets aren't capable of winning football games right now. Like, I, I don't think it's like they're trying to lose. I don't think they're capable of winning, and there's two very different things right there. And And I think that's, like, their... Jets are pulling out like they're leaving. Like it's it's they're going one direction. Le'Veon Bell's a twenty eight year old running back trying to get a ring and 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 it's just they're not meant for each other anymore. So it kind of makes sense to be like, okay, Le'Veon, you go and Jets go. And what would have worked best is if the Jets were in a position where they could have gotten a five for Bell or a four for Bell or a three for Bell. But when you take into consideration his production and then that contract Mike McCagnan gave him, I mean they're bad. And when we talk about the Mike McCagan contracts, by the way, this one is up to like they are some glorious contracts this guy handed out. I mean, I don't. I we was should spend about, a, like, a minute on that. I think that's. Oh, fair. like what's the worst? Like what's the worst contract he handed out? Because you have you can go back to Darrell Revis, which I give him some leeway for because Revis at least had a good 2015 before that those final couple weeks where he banged up his uh, wrist. I think it was, but Revis was okay. But aside from that, the Mo Wilkerson extension. The Spencer Long was a bad one, thinking he could be the center. Thinking Wesley Johnson could be the center was another bad decision. Then you got the Tremaine Johnson contract. Mo Wilkerson, like I said, um, this one, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley's only played two games. Like, this is, like, it's, it's bad, man. Like, this, whew, those were some some glorious deals. Tremaine Johnson, like, holy cow. Oof. There's um there's a lot of negativity obviously around the Jets in general, but but it's peaking, right? It's fair to say it's peaking maybe tonight. Um, it's well, gone we so don't know far that, that Tim. We don't how know. How about the thought? How about the there thought, are Connor? That weeks. How many weeks left are there? 12? I know. Like, well, and we, we will time, be here. Tim. We will be. Hey, here they might add a week eighteen to the season. So uh. don't put that on me. I swear, there better be some kind of wood around you to start knocking. Do not make me do this another week. I'm already scheduling like a month vacation after this. God damn! I, t- I tweeted this. I'm gonna need therapy after watching this all year. I was going to say is that with all the negativity, it gets to the point where Jets fans are even thinking, you know what? They could get the number one pick and Trevor Lawrence could be like, eh, I'll pass and stay in school. Mm -hmm. Now that's not going to happen. He can't risk injury with the money on the line. But hey. (laughs) <laughs> something if Adam Gase was still around, maybe yeah. The odds of that happening, like I, I honestly like, and I was actually talking to somebody. I made a couple calls today for before all this shit happened. 
uh, I'm, I'm working on like a couple stories just on coaching candidates moving forward, like the under the radar names. And then aside from that, also like the, um, I, I make calls basically asking is Trevor Lawrence as good as people say he is because everything I hear is this guy's like the can't miss prospect. And I called some personnel guys I know and some scouts that I know. And the feedback that I got was like, he's the real deal. And, and the one thing is like one person was saying like, forget the attributes. Like he, you confront, you realize kid can make everything on the field. He's big and he's physical. The one thing he has to learn that was told to me was like, he can't keep taking the hits that he's taking in college in the pros. Like when he runs the ball, just cause right. he'll get injured. So like he has to learn to slide and get out of bounds, which is all stuff he'll learn, but like throwing the ball football acumen, reading a defense, like all of that, his size, his speed is that like all that's top notch. But what this guy pointed out to me, he goes, Connor, you got to realize this kid has been in the spotlight since he was like 13 years old. Like, so he's knows how to handle the spotlight. Like he knows how to do that. And I actually talked to somebody over in the Colts because I was like, Oh, are you like, you know, you were involved when like Andrew Luck was there. Like I keep hearing he's the best prospects is Andrew Luck. He told me he thinks that Trevor Lawrence is going to have a higher grade than what Andrew Luck had because they believe that coming out of college, he's proven that he can handle the spotlight, which Andrew Luck hadn't really done yet in Stanford, like throughout his entire career. And he also has a little bit better leadership quality. So he might be even a better prospect than Andrew Luck was. So if you really want to hang your hat on something positive and 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 look for the glimmer of hope and what this is a lost season, that's it. Like it's it that's it. You you realize that this team is yeah, you might be a laughing stock for a while. You might struggle for a while. You might have to be the punchline and and people are going to make fun of you at the gym and at work and if you wear your green and white jersey, you're going to be laughed at, but like if this ends in Trevor Lawrence, like that's not it's not a bad consolation prize. That's worth the bullying, man. I think that's a perfect place to end this episode on a positive note heading into uh, week six and a showdown with the Dolphins, which may be one of the Jets' only chances to maybe win a game this season. We will have to see. But thanks for tuning in late night if you're joining us on YouTube and checking out the podcast as well. Le'Veon Bell, no longer a member of the New York Jets. If you need a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. You can join right now for just $1 a month. Um, join us on Twitter as well. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M McMaster and Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. We will be back early next week to recap that Dolphins game. This will be our second episode of this week. And we will, uh, we'll be back with you again soon. Have a great night, everyone.